Nelson. This is Rich Nelson. And welcome to the real truth of Alcatraz. We're coming to you from the Killjoys Studios. Mark and Anthony were so kind and thoughtful. Little old man in here and let him give you his his real thoughts, his real opinions. On a certain little show, little television program, as we called him. Back in back in the sixties. Little television program airing now on the Fox Broadcast Network channel known as Alcatraz executive producer is which a certain J.J. Abrams co-creator of such programs as Lost and Fringe another Fox program as well as director of the movies Mission Impossible Three, Tom Cruise production, and and the new Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> Sorry, Star Trek. Huh. Thought I had certain words. It's gonna come off your tongue. Anyways, what what we're going to do? What what I'm going to do? What I hope to do is to. It's to open, open your minds to other possibilities. I know that there are other Alcatraz podcasts, as they call them. I guess you can't say radio show. You can see a radio tower out there. When I pulled up my Corsica. To 94 Corsica. I had to have the front fender replaced last month. As I pulled up, I didn't see a radio tower. All I saw was uh, a few laptops connected to some microphones. What a time we're in. But it's a good time. A time where... Free-speaking individuals can share their opinions with others. And the others can listen. Or they can, they can ignore it. My, my goal is not to enforce any of my opinions or viewpoints on you, you uh, listeners, true believers. If you are, if not, you can go elsewhere. But for those wanting the truth about what's happening over there, You've come to the right place. Well, the show's been on, uh... What's it been on? Five. Five episodes. Five spectacular episodes. 
intrigue, mystery, romance, not too much romance, really. Unless something happens with the Hurley character and, and the blonde. Don't think anything's going to happen with Hauser. It's got to soften up. But, but definite intrigue. We'll do a small recap for those who haven't had a chance to partake in this wonder. It's 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 a it's a it's a it's a very well produced hour of television. 42, 43 minutes roughly if you cut out the commercials. Usually I I watch it straight through. I don't have a, a, a DMR or whatever they call them. D DVR. DVR, that's it. I don't have one of those. It's hard to pay for a luxury like that when you're on dialysis. But I go, oh, I digress. It's, it's, it's really inconsequential. So let's, let's get into our recap here. Make sure that we're all on the same page. Episode 1. Pilot. Don't think our perp was a pilot, but usually that term is used to indicate a, the first episode of a series. One which is filmed and the network decides from there if they will continue the project. Episode 1. We saw an inmate. Inmate come back from the past. An inmate of Alcatraz, the Alcatraz, located in San Francisco, in the Bay Area. Beautiful city. Wonderful clam chowder there. They reappear in our year of 2012 or 2011. Don't know. They, they haven't specified yet, have they? <laughs> like ever. To a 2000, let's, let's just say it's, it's now. Because that's a lot easier, because then we'd be dealing with, with more past than we already have, and things would things would get hairy, wouldn't they? Huh. 2012 now, they're reappearing. And then we follow the 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 journey, the adventures of a certain young blonde haired detective. Named Madsen. I can't really remember her first name. Madsen. She's got a, a, a an uncle, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uncle Ray. We believe he's a. He turns out. He's not really. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. What their relationship is. What they mean to each other. Got a few points. 
like to touch on there. Her partner dies a tragic death. She's chasing down a perp. She chases him, and he launches himself across a chasm of great distance, slamming down on the trailer aside from them. Her partner, gentleman with facial hair, attempts to make the same jump he can't, slams into the side, holding on to the edge, pleading for his life. Madsen runs up, sees her partner hanging on for dear life on the side of a trailer. She sees her perp, a man of short hair, another man of the blonde persuasion, the Vikings. He comes and he kicks him. What appears to be the face or shoulder, upper shoulder, neck area, perhaps in between. Still would hurt. I had a child kick me in that area. I was working at a shoe store. Trying to help a child try on some Star Wars Velcro Vader shoes. And he kicked me right in the shin. And as I bent down to nurse, nurse the wound to see if I was bleeding, I've always been an easy bleeder. It's what my mother said, at least. He said, cowabunga dude, and he kicked me right in my collarbone. Shattered it. Four reconstructive surgeries later, and I still can't move my arm above my head. The perp kicked her partner right in that same area and he fell. Well, not immediately. He lost his grip. He lost... I'm getting ahead of myself. He lost his grip even more so. Hanging on for dear life. Her Madsen, we see her on the other side. She looks concerned. She screams out his name. And she throws herself across the chasm. It's just mind-boggling what, what they can do with stunt work these days. With wire work. The amount of shape it takes, too, to, to put a body through that kind of, that kind of work. It's really something. I, I really tip my hat to, to Abrams and company for, for making that happen. She, she throws herself across the ravine, hurtling through the air. She lands safely on the other side, tries to retrieve her partner. She reaches out. She reaches her hand out, telling him, grab my hand. And her partner, he can't, he can't get his grip. His grip is slipping. She gets, you can just look in her eyes and you can, you can see this is a woman who has lost so much in her life, and, and we learn that later. We'll learn that. We'll, we'll, we'll cover that. She's lost so much in her life, and she reaches out to grab him, and for a moment, you think she's, she's going to get it. And then the grip slips. 
and you see him hurtling towards the ground. I'd like to get some more background information on that guy, personally. I mean, he, he was... That, that's, that's a tremendous amount of acting on his part. He falls to his death. So we've got inmates coming back from the past. Committing acts. Our first inmate, he retrieved a key from a, a soft black sack. Our next inmate, a nervous gentleman, obsessive. He had the OCDs, the obsessive compulsive disorders, enjoyed eating sandwiches by himself, which I can understand. I've, I've had a sandwich or two to myself. Doesn't mean I shoot people when I go on picnics, but... I've had a sandwich or two to myself, and I've, I've sat there and watched individuals as they pass by. I've wondered what it would look like if I fired a bullet into their brace. He sits there, and he takes a soda, and he, he scopes out. Scopes out. We had an Indian doctor. Doctress. Is that what we refer to? Doctress? No. Doctor. I don't know if there's any female modification on that. Female doc. She. Companion. To the fantastic Sam Neill. Wonderful actor. Companion to him. She was shot. Now, let me, get, let me get real with you. If you open a window, you see crosshairs painted on the window, the words I can see you written across the window, and you know, you know that you are hunting a trained assassin who specializes in sniping. Are you going to stand there for any great period of time? I believe, and this is just my belief, but it's the truth. I believe she is not who she says she is, and we do find that out indeed later. So I was right. We do indeed find that she existed back in 1963. Or 62. The, the flashbacks leading back, that's 63. I believe that's 63. We find her there. We find the Dr. Beauregard's there. He's there. They're, they're in the past and now the present. She, she shot... She's bleeding. She goes into a coma until Hauser is very distraught. Hauser has a SWAT force of individuals, men with computers and 
glasses, tweed jackets. They're looking into the situation. She's part of his entourage. She's shot in a coma. No one can say... I believe that not only is she not who she says she is, but also, well, why would you stand there? It is this humble individual's opinion that she did in, indeed choose the bullet. She invited it as it were, into her body. We had a inmate who was a child predator. He killed children, wanting, wanting them to hold him underwater, and then doing the same to them, my brother, was a heavy man. And that says something coming from me. I, I am... I am 356 pounds. He was so large that in order to go to the grocery store, we, we had to lay the back seat down and roll him up a crudely fashioned ramp into the back of the station wagon. In order to go anywhere. He, he enjoyed floating in a pool during the summertime and it, it got hot for him. When you have that much, imagine, imagine the, the heaviest wool sweater on you on the hottest day you're pulling at the neck, it's, it's just choking you, and it, it, it itches, it itches so much, and you're just sweating, you can't get it off, the more you try to pull, the more you get lost, you're running out of air, people are watching you, they're laughing, asking why can't you just take your sweater off, and you, and you can't, that was his body. The equivalent of a thousand wool sweaters on one individual. He enjoyed a soak in the pool when he could. We had a recreational facility not far from, from our place of dwelling. The Suffoletta Aquatic Center. Also, the bathing house of many of the lower-income families' children. And you could see it, and there was a film on the top of the water. These children had not bathed. They had not bathed. You would enter the water through the surface, and the water would not touch your skin for another ten seconds till the oily film wore away and seeped back to the top. My brother was a heavy man. He would sit in a 
intertube. A radial tire shaped intertube. We tried bringing in a real radial tire. They wouldn't let us. They said the exposed wires on the tread would cut some of the children. So we settled with the inner tube. Then he would sit there. He would sit there and soak. Then he'd lift his folds and he'd clean them. So really we weren't any better than the low income families. We couldn't fit them in our bathtub. And I, I was small. I was small but but heavy. I would swim. I would swim under him. The sun, my skin is so fair. It was much fairer then, but now it's 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 really no better. I, I walked in here with with large sunglasses and a and a large striped umbrella to prevent the sun's rays from burning my skin. I would swim under my brother for protection from the harsh rays of the yellow sun. And I would stay there as long as I could. But one day I was under and I panicked. I swam up, but I collided with his, with his folds. I couldn't get past him. And no matter how far from the tube I swam, he was there. His, his overhang was four feet from the tube. I was absorbed in one of his folds, struggling to, to breathe. I fought my way to the surface. And my brother, he thanked me. He'd had an itch in that spot. He'd hadn't been able to reach for 17 years. We, this inmate, he would hold his, his victims down underneath the water. He'd buy them cherry pie. He'd, he'd correct them, lashing out at them, telling them you're eating it with the wrong hand, you're doing it wrong, eat, eat more of the popcorn. My brother did the same thing. It was a very touching and heart-rending episode for me. Brought back a lot of memories from my father. And mother. And they had a rough life. The kid escaped. At the end, he escapes. He fights his way out of the... Out of the Man's dungeon, his lair, if you will, fights his way out. The perp is shot. The remaining inmates are taken to a new Alcatraz facility. Faci faci facility. 
complex. Episode 4. We meet Cal Sweeney, a bank robber with a penchant for a cattle gun. Killing his victims. Tracking them down and killing them. Stealer of safety deposit box. Prayer of weak, innocent women. Older women. He was crap. He was captured by a think, thinking, think, fast thinking, quick thinking. I can't, I can't talk to her. A quick thinking Madsen as she steered the car into another one, noticing that because of his inexperience, his lack of exposure to modern culture, he had forgot about seatbelts and seatbelt laws. Not wearing a seatbelt, she veers into a car and wham! Knocked him out. We couldn't put my brother in a seatbelt. He was just too large. We'd tie bungee cords between the back seat and where he resided and prayed they stayed. I can see it now, the fat bulging between the cords leaking over the seat. The smell of peanut brittle just emanating. My brother, no matter how much he bathed, he always reeked of peanut brittle. That brings us to the end of our recap. Part two will be discussing last night's episode. Guy Hastings, our first guard. I worked as a prison guard for a while. Wasn't my kind of thing. Regardless, true believers, this has been real truth. The real truth. None other. You won't hear untruths from me, friends. The real truth of Alcatraz with Richard Nelson. Get this thing, get this thing off me. Here's the door. This has been The Real Truth of Alcatraz with Rich Nelson. Produced by Anthony Whitaker. Executive producers are Anthony Whitaker and Mark Wilhelm. Rate us on iTunes. 
or email us your questions at realtruthalcatraz at gmail.com. Jokes. Jokes. Jokes.